Well, certainly not the result South Carolina was looking for tonight as they fall to Florida coming out of the bye week. And joining us, former game quarterback Michael Skarnecki. And Mike, I know you had a chance to be able to watch this one inside of the stadium. Just your initial reaction to the game talks coming up short tonight. I'll be honest, man. It, this game's on the defense completely. We, when you give up 400 yards passing against a QB who really hasn't thrown more than 200 yards against quality SEC opponents, and then he goes and does this against us, our lack of tackling ability, our lack of setting the edge, there was just so many things wrong with what we did on defense. To give up 41 points when Spencer's playing as well as he was, we have to improve on defense. Mike, uh, having some issues on this end, so I'm going to uh, ask you a question. We'll just continue to roll with it. Um, okay. Offensively tonight, I thought they did a lot of good things, but I think you have to start with what happened from a defensive standpoint. I mean, they weren't able to get the stops when they needed to the most. They really struggled on uh, multiple explosive plays. And it wasn't even just explosive plays, Mike. I mean, there were times where, you know, USC had opportunities to stop Florida for gains of two or three yards. And the next thing you know, Florida was picking up eight, sometimes ten yards. What was just your thoughts on the defense tonight? Why Why do you think they just weren't able to overcome some of the issues that we saw early on? Good man. Good. You too. Dude, I, we couldn't set the edge. We weren't tackling right. There were just so many things I think that we need to really, really sit down and look in the mirror and figure out what we need to do better on. When you look at the defensive side, we went man coverage most of the night, and it wasn't working. We needed to shift to a zone or do something because Graham Mertz was essentially just picking us apart the entire night. He had 400, I think, 20 yards passing against us. And you're right. When you look at the stats, they only had about 70 yards rushing. But of those 70 yards, most of those 70 yards came in crucial down situations where they needed a first down, and we couldn't stop the run. They had some critical um, they had some critical missed tackles against the running backs, which hurt us tremendously. We just need to learn how to set the edge. We need to really focus. Our linebackers, or a lot of times, I was watching them split the gaps, but yet they were completely whiffing on the tackles. And then our DBs just weren't able to cover it. I mean, you know, I'm going to have to really go back and watch what, what all together went wrong. But from a general overview, we weren't tackling well. We weren't covering well. Man coverage was not the answer tonight. And we kept doing it over and over again. And we weren't setting the edge. How many times did we see Graham Mertz bounce out or the running backs bounce out? It just... It happened too many times tonight, and we can't we can't win SEC games if that's what's going to happen. Mike, I can. Uh, we're, we're working through some um, some technical difficulties right now. Intern Joe, we we he's behind the scenes right now, um, so I can't really hear you that great, Mike. So I'm just going to continue to push everything out towards you. Read some of the questions for you. Yes. You know, again, I want to talk about what we saw from the offense because I felt like the offense did do some good things, but it's really difficult not to yeah. just begin with what we saw from a defensive standpoint. Um, Mike, there was about 440 left when South Carolina had the ball. And as you know, offense, offenses, they practice four-minute drills all the time. And – 
I know it's easy to second guess certain plays, but I had no idea what the heck South Carolina was thinking, trying to take a shot deep. I think it was on second down. Yep. Um, second during down. that series, you know, in a situation like that, <laughs> I understand that there's a, a possibility of trying to get the knockout punch, but at the same time, too, can you justify what we saw on that drive again? Round four forty left. You're you're leading. You have an opportunity to put this one away. Continue to chew the clock, and for whatever reason, South Carolina takes a shot downfield into double coverage. Yeah, Mike, that's a great point. I don't quite understand. And when I was sitting up watching the game, I was sitting here thinking, okay, they're going to run on second down, and depending on where they're at, you're going to have to put the ball in Spencer's hand and trust him. But I think throwing it on a deep shot, first of all, that makes no sense to me, throwing it on a deep shot, considering that Spencer was under you know, somewhat pressure, some amount of pressure tonight, and risking a potential fumble or a late or a long sack, which would put us back further and have no chance of a first down. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. What we needed to do was run the ball. Because Mario Anderson, let's be honest, Mario Anderson, I thought, had a great night. He And we can get into the effectiveness of what Mario helped or brought to the offense of how he helped the pass game. But overall, on that, on that that in the fourth quarter on that drive, the second down, it did not make sense to me why we threw it deep. I don't understand. I just don't understand why we did. We should have ran it, and then after we run it, figure out where we're at, and you can trust Spencer and give him a chance to get the first down because it could have been third and seven, third and five, or whatever the case would have been. But throwing it on second down, now you're stuck with a third and ten. You're forced to throw it again. So instead of giving you opportunity to where maybe you have to throw it, you're forcing yourself to have to throw it. And I didn't under, quite understand the call right there. You know, for the most part, I thought the play calls throughout the entire night on offense were great. But that play call right there on that series didn't make a lot of sense to me. Coming off the bye week, Mike, we talked about how important this game was. I mean, it went without saying, right? I mean, two and three, the gauntlet of a schedule that they have coming up with having to travel to Missouri next week. And then the following week, you have to go right out to Texas A&M. Yeah. And then, of course, obviously, the SEC schedule just continues to pick up. I bring all that up because... Where do you go from here? I mean, obviously they don't have a choice. You know, you, you still you still have six games to go in the regular season. But when yep. you look at it from a bowl eligibility standpoint, that hill that was already going to be tough to climb these final seven weeks, it's that much tougher now because now you're sitting here at two and four. I know that unfortunately you've been in situations with teams that you played at with South Carolina where, you know, the schedule – uh, or the season uh, at the beginning of the year didn't go your way. The schedule only gets tougher. Where do you go from here, though? I mean, wh what is the next 24, 36 hours like for this USC team? Listen, he's got to sit the team down and be like, we know what kind of team we are. We, we put up 39 points. We have the offense, our defense. He needs to sit down with our defense and figure this out because we're going into a stretch of SEC play where we could win every single game or oh, – sorry. sorry. Or we could lose. And this is the issue. Is now we're what? Two and four going into this. And we're going into SEC play against, you're right, a very good Missouri team, a very good Kentucky team, away at AM, which is not easy. It's, I mean, this is going to be a tough stretch. So you have to sit your team down and tell your defense, this is, this is it. Because we might not make a bowl game if this defense doesn't figure out because we're facing good teams going forward. We should win against Jacksonville State. We should have should win against Vanderbilt. So you have four games where there's no guarantee we're going to win. But it's not guaranteed. So the issue is 
we just got to figure out our defense. And our offense is playing out of their minds. I mean, you look at what Spencer did. Spencer had four touchdowns, almost 80% completion. There's not much more we can do with the guy. The guy is playing one of the best. He's playing at the QB position, one of the best in the nation by far. And it's not even close. You know, you have other QBs that are playing great, but with what he's working with, he is playing out of his mind. And this was a big win. I was going in this week thinking we've got to beat Florida because the bull eligibility is going to be tough going into the rest of the season with who we have on the slate. So with this loss, we've got to find somewhere we can buy two wins. And to be honest, Mike, I don't know right now who it's going to be against. Yeah. And look, I want to talk about the defense for a little bit more than we'll move over to the offense because I think it's it's tough to sugarcoat anything that we saw from the defensive standpoint tonight. I mean, again, when they needed to get stops, when they needed to be able to get off the field, they didn't. Uh, the crazy thing is, heading into this game, Florida ranked one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to third down conversion success rate. When you look at it tonight, I think it was, what, the Gators were maybe 4 for 15 on third down. But when you factor in the fourth down conversions, two, they were 3 for yeah. 4. Again, when you needed to get off the field, USC struggled to do that. You know, for whatever reason, they weren't able to make the adjustments they needed to in order to be able to help themselves out. Um, a couple of times it seemed like the play-action waggle in particular that Florida was doing, especially in the first half, but they continue to go back to the waggle. It really just created nightmares uh, for South Carolina. A lot of miss, um, you know, matchup in terms of, you know, you had linebackers on receivers out. I just don't understand as the course of the game continues to play out, how you're not able to adjust to that. I think that's the frustrating part. I'm going to move real quick. It's loud where I'm at. Sorry. Um, Sorry, my, I'm sorry. I'm at the game right now, I'm trying to move. Go ahead. Ask yeah, so Mike, but I'm I was, sorry. You no, know, what I was just saying is, Florida had a lot of success with the play-action angle, and it was just creating a lot of one-on-one matchups, a lot of man opportunities for South Carolina, and that's what South Carolina tried to do. I feel like from trying to stop the run yeah. game, they try to put an extra guy down the box. They played more man, and for whatever reason, they're not winning their matchups. They're not. And it's not just waggle. It's, it's you know, going down the field. We can talk about the fourth and ten situation. It's just not winning your one-on-ones. And I think that's the frustrating part. We can talk about it from a schematic standpoint, and that's not to excuse how things look from South Carolina's perspective. But what I'm trying to get at is it's evident that USC is just not winning their one-on-ones. And I think that's the most frustrating part about it. There's no magic wand. They're just not getting the job done. No, you're completely right. And the thing is, we keep running man coverage. And I get it. You're right. When it comes to run stop right now, we're not ha- we're not a great defense when it comes to run stop. And adding that extra person in the box is going to expose you on the back end with your DBs. But when you also run man coverage, you have to know that you're expecting and trusting your DBs to make plays. And so you have to evaluate. Florida wasn't great running the ball against us the entire night. They had, I think, 70 yards rushing, like I said. You know, that obviously is because we went a lot of man, cover three, bringing that extra person in the box to stop the run. But when you're giving up 400 yards passing, you have to adjust. You have to start going into a coverage that's going to, you know, stop the pass play and and put more pressure on Graham, um, Florida's QB, Graham. And we weren't doing that. We didn't adjust well. I, all the way into the fourth quarter, we kept running man coverage, man coverage, and they were just beating us the entire night. And so you're right. At some point, you have to look as a defense and be like, you know what? Our guys, 
the either luck's not falling our way on some of these deep balls where these players are making catches or what, but you got to adjust mid-game because they were torching us. You're right. Um, number one, the receiver for Florida, he was I think he had 150 yards passing or 150 yards receiving on us. That fourth down conversion he had blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe it. That was a huge play. We could have made the – Graham just tossed the ball up essentially and he came down with it. That would have been turnover on downs. We win the game. You know, the, we just didn't make enough plays on defense. And I knew Graham didn't – he's not a QB that makes uh, or forces a lot of turnovers and based on his previous games. And I was hoping we could have forced him into some turnovers. But we, we just couldn't get anything going tonight on defense. Just looking at it from your perspective as a quarterback, right, whether you're Missouri, whether you're a team that has to play South Carolina over these next couple of weeks based on what you saw tonight – and what we've seen earlier in the year, but obviously more so tonight, just for the simple fact that not, that not that it seemed like much has changed, but you're coming out of the bye I bring that up, Mike, because what are you noticing in terms of the areas that South Carolina really needs to uh, be able to, to tweak? I think it's evident, right? We can look and be like, all right, they got to win their one-on-ones. They're having issues in the secondary, but I'm saying just from a quarterback's perspective, if you were game planning against the Gamecocks, what would have you all geeked up? as a QB going up against this defense? What are you noticing that they're just, for whatever reason, really struggling that opposing quarterbacks are probably going to be like, yeah, can't wait to have an opportunity to play South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, because of the amount of man coverage we get, I would be really excited being able to run some plays that could pick off and put our players in a position to face the man coverage. Because right now we're not effective covering man, and it's evident. And so if you have a team with a good QB and, and receivers who can create any type of separation – these offensive coordinators are going to be able to game plan and put these QBs in a good situation where they can kind of just pick our defense apart. And, and also, stretch plays. Like I said in the previous time that I, I can't remember which game it was, maybe Georgia, but we just don't set the edge well. And there were plenty of times where they were trying to run an inside zone or an inside counter and they bounced it for a first down or a huge gain on, on the run play. And the amount of times that happens, and it's continually happened this season where we're not setting the edge or our linebackers aren't, you know, getting on the edge as well, maybe because our D-line's doing some type of stunt on the inside, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me how we haven't made any type of adjustment there. And I saw several plays. I watched on the replay where they were running a run play, and I wanted to see because it was an inside zone whether we set the edge because the play eventually bounced. And lo and behold, half the time that we saw, I saw the replay, there was nobody setting the edge. We're just kind of collapsing into the center or into the interior line and leaving the outside gaps open for these running backs or QBs to bounce. So if I'm a QB, I'm, or if I'm a running back and an offensive coordinator, I'm excited because I can just run these stretch plays and I can also game plan against man coverage. But we've got to either start figuring some things out, changing what kind of coverages are running because we cannot win SEC games if you're going to give up 41 points and 400 yards passing. Yeah, and that's the part, too. I mean, how many times have we said it over the course of the season where either the offense is coming up with a big drive, right, they're doing good things offensively, and the defense just not being able to play complementary football or vice versa, right? How many times early in the year, defense maybe just a little bit ahead because of some of the issues South Carolina was having up front with their offensive line, just protection, that we saw the defense go out there, do a couple of good things, but the offense wasn't able to move the football. Tonight, USC was able to move the football. Now, having yeah. said that, that doesn't mean things were perfect tonight. You know, let's 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 talk about the good and the bad. Let's talk about the good first, because again, not a lot of good you feel like you can find from tonight, especially with the way how things ended tonight. What yeah. did you like though 
and we'll get into some of the things maybe you didn't like that the offense did. But what were some things that you liked and noticed that were a little bit different coming out of the bye week? Yeah, so a lot of the couple of things I noticed too, we shift a lot. And this is actually really interesting because when I started this, when I watched this entire game, we did a lot of motioning, a lot of shifting. And I really liked that because when I saw, I was watching an NFL game this past weekend, and the top three offenses in the league, I think it was like the Eagles, the Chiefs, uh, San Fran, and someone else, they motion or shift almost 90% somewhere between 80 and 90% of their plays. And it goes to show that best offenses in the league motion and shift because it shows, one, what coverage you're getting against the defense, and two, it also can start messing up assignments on the defense and putting your players in a good position. So what I liked is we did a lot of motioning, a lot of shifting, getting the eyes of the defense messed up, getting an idea of what the defense is running so Spencer can know where he's going with the ball. So I really, really liked that. The other thing that I loved is we were able to run the ball. I'll tell you, the amount of play actions we had that were effective tonight were numerous. There were so many that I could go back and look on the film and be like, wow, we that was great. And it was set up because we were able to run the ball with Mario. Mario was a pounder tonight. I don't think he – very rarely did he not get at least one yard every rush. He was getting yard after yard. And Florida was having a tough time bringing him down. And he was just helping us shorten first and second or second and third down. But he also, more importantly, was helping our pass game because he was setting up play action. I think there was one play, maybe it was um, it was going towards the student section where we ran a fake counter, and I can't remember if it was third and it was a touchdown. Yeah, it was a touchdown. It was to number six, the tight end. We ran a fake counter, and it was effective because we've been running the counter all night long. We've been running that play all night long. And we do a fake counter with the tight end from the opposite side, doing a motion across and throwing him in a flat route. And he ended up making a great play on the DB and scoring the touchdown. There was so, And then another play, when Juju scored in the student end zone section, it was a play action with Juju, or it was a play action where Spencer rolled out and passed The amount of play actions that were effective tonight were fantastic. I loved seeing it because it kept messing up the defense eyes. It was effective. The run was helping our pass game so much. There was so much good about what we did tonight on offense. And so that's one thing I love about seeing what we did going in from the bye week to this game on offense specifically. Yeah, you mentioned Mario Anderson. I know, again, it's it's tough to find anything good to talk about tonight. Um, and we're not trying to sugarcoat it. The defense certainly did not step up when you needed them to the most. Offensively, weren't able to put this one away when you have the lead. Late in this game, we talked about it before, Mike, four-minute drills. You, this is something you practice throughout the week. And South Carolina wasn't able to control the ball. You know, they, they had an opportunity to put this yeah. one away. They weren't able to do that. You mentioned Mario, though. Again, trying to find at least something good to talk about because there's not a lot of good things to talk about. What he continues to do, and reminder, folks, Mario has an extra year of eligibility left because of that COVID season. He can still come back next year if he chooses to. So with what we're seeing so far from Mario Anderson over the last couple weeks, right, 98 yards rushing tonight, made an impact in the receiving game as well, had a receiving touchdown, two catches for 23 yards. I think he finished with, what, just under, what, just just under 100 and um, – Yeah, he did 98. Yeah, 98, 98 rushing but 23 yards receiving. Yeah. So, you know, just over 120 total yards of offense – He's becoming a big, big, big part of this offense. And, Mike, some of the other things, too, that we noticed tonight, they mixed up the offensive line. They mixed up the offensive line. Yep. I know Nick Arjula, there's a couple snaps. I'm sure that he would have loved to have got back. Uh, yeah, I think it was that, that, was, that third down was huge. 
yeah, third down one was huge. It was, it was. I, I want to say low. I mean, he didn't even get back there for crying out loud. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure he'd be, uh, he'd be upset about. You know, I'm sure there's some other ones, but I remember obviously that one stands out. And even the, I think it was the first snap of the game. It was a little bit high, but Spencer yeah. was able to get it. So I bring that up because what changed during the game from just an offensive standpoint. Vershawn Lee, who got bumped out from center to right tackle, he got hurt. He got shaken up. He wasn't able to go back out there. And I don't want to say that is the main reason why South Carolina wasn't able to close this game out from an offensive standpoint. But it looked like before, before that point, and again, not everything was perfect. We're talking about the low snap, talking about the high snap on that first drive, first play. Um, but I kind of liked what they did with the offensive line. You know, they had some chance to, to go back, identify some of those blind spots. I felt like we saw a spark. I think the first drive of the game, I think Mario rushed for around 47 yards. Yeah. You know, over 40 yards on four carries. That first drive of the game had been 41, you know. But point being is you rushed for over 40, 40 yards in that first drive on four carries. They were able to move the football. Um, they were able to do some good things on the ground. And as we saw – it forced Florida to bring an extra defender up in the box. We've talked about that so much, whether that be a safety, whether that be an extra linebacker. And not true apples to apples, but talking about how Florida did a lot of crossing routes, right, from an offensive standpoint, a lot of waggle. Yeah. USC had a lot of success in crossing routes. And that's something I feel like they've had a lot of success at this season, especially with Xavier Leggett using that speed, going from sideline to sideline and trying to just create whatever one-on-one opportunity that you can. Can you just talk to the effect of what you've noticed with that and why that's something USC will probably continue to go back to? Yeah. Yes, I I agree with you completely on that one. It's like, okay, so with Xavier Leggett, and you're talking about with our offense and all the crossing routes we're doing, right? With all those players? Yep. Yeah, so the reason it's effective most of the time is we have speed. And a lot of these cover, like I think Florida, you know, it's obviously a game plan thing. So when you're facing Georgia, when you're facing Florida, these teams, historically, they play a lot of man coverage. And so man coverage, you want to put your fast players on crossing routes. That's where a lot of the separation comes from. You don't run vertical routes. And so when you're doing these crossing routes, when you're doing these, you know, these, um, these mesh concepts, it creates some rub routes where these DBs who are playing man coverage, they can get picked off or they can go over the top and it creates some type of separation. So they're effective because of that reason right there is because it potentially can create, but they also take time to develop and they're not quick developing routes. So you need your offensive line to perform well. And like you said, our offensive line, for the most part, I thought gave Spencer time. There's a reason he had four touchdowns, almost 250 yards passing or however much he had. I think it was around 250. And he was super effective. When we have playmakers on the edge, you know, I think Xavier had almost 100 and something yards. I think our next best receiver was Trey Knox, who also was eight catches for, I think, about 50 yards. Trey was very involved. And when teams play man, you know, sometimes it's good to get a matchup with your tight end versus your linebacker or versus linebackers, because especially with Trey. Trey's, you know, he's athletic. He's tall. You can get the ball to him. We got to offense really is not the issue sometimes. I say sometimes because sometimes it looks like our offense isn't very effective, but Tonight, our offense was super effective. We were playing well. We were driving when we wanted to. You know, a couple drives, you're right. There was that one snap that hurt us. There was a false start on one. I think it was maybe a third and two that really hurt us. Just some stupid penalties and stupid plays and some critical moments hurt us. But overall, Mike, when you score 39 points, 
if you look at statistics, you're supposed to win that game. Yep. 30, you can't ask for much more against – Especially in the SEC. I mean, yeah. this isn't like you're, you're not playing in the Big 12. You know, you're not playing arena football here. The, the level of competition when you're talking about from a defensive standpoint, it's supposed to be there. And for whatever reason, and I know some people are bringing up some of the players specifically in the uh, secondary, I think it is frustrating. You know, you have freshmen that go out there and have phenomenal years last year, and I'm not trying to put it all on them. What I'm trying to get at, though, is, Mike, you know, we see these these funks sometimes these guys get um, – their, so, their sophomore year, right? I mean, it's yeah. tough to be able to replicate what you did freshman year. Yeah. What would you What would you tell some of these sophomores in particular? Because obviously you're not dumb, and they're not dumb. They know stuff's being said about them. Um, yeah. And as much as you tell yourself, all right, avoid social media, do this, do that, I mean, some stuff's going to get back to you. Whether yeah. it be through a family member or a friend, someone's going to tell you something. What would you, in terms of just advice, What's some of the advice you would give those players in particular who, again, had high expectations for themselves, just like this entire fan base had for them, and yeah. they just haven't been able to be as consistent as they would have liked to have been, or they just haven't been able to play up to that level where I think they want to be able to play, which is being considered one of the best, not just in the conference, but one of the best in the country at some of those positions. Yeah. Well, Mike, you know, obviously you got to have social media because fans are <laughs> – I love fans. I've seen them now. They're great, and they support Gamecock Nation like crazy. We have the best fan base in the nation. But we also have fans, when, when we're down, they're going to say things on Twitter. And as a player, you can't be reading that because, you know, people are tweeting with their emotions. So they're saying things with their emotions. So it can affect you as a player and hurt your confidence. And when you lose confidence, you're not going to be the same player. I don't care who you are or what industry you're in. When you lose confidence, it's going to affect your performance no matter what you do. The second thing is when you see – a lot of I've noticed this when you see a lot of freshmen play well, true freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen when it's their first time on the field, and everyone's like, "Man, these guys are playing out of their mind," and they're not replicating that the next year. What I've noticed is the freshmen who play well are usually playing free. They're not playing overthinking the game. They're not trying to just complicate everything that happens and read every little every little nuance that comes into being um, goes into film study. That's one thing I've noticed with like it happens with QBs, the QBs who come in freshman year and play well, and then the next year you see them not playing as well. It's because you're start overthinking. You're not playing as free. And so what I would say to these guys is stop overthinking. Trust your ability. Trust the coaching that you've had, and just play free. Because when you're not playing free and you're overthinking, that's when you start making mistakes and you don't see them. They're, they're more robotic. And I think that's what we saw or we're seeing with some of these young guys who are in their second year starting, and you're not seeing the same performances you, see, you saw the first year. is just overthinking and overcomplicating the game. It doesn't need to be that complicated, but sometimes these coaches, the players, it's, it's easy to allow it to infiltrate into your own game and affect how you perform. You've also have been in situations where people are calling for your head coach or calling for a positional coach. I know some people might be calling for Beamer, but I think we can all agree, though, Mike, yeah, that's probably a little extreme right now. But what I'm trying to get at is people are going to be calling for certain positional coaches. That isn't anything new to this year. That's been going back to last year at certain positions. I bring that up because what is that like in the locker room, knowing when the outside – and, again, you, we, we hear so many teams talk about ignore the outside noise. We're kind of in our own little bunker, and, you know, we're staying close together. But, again, these things get back to you. How yeah. can you use that as motivation? How can you turn that around? So that, obviously, look, 
you still have six games to go. And as I mentioned, the schedule does not get any easier for South Carolina. And while it's an uphill battle, it will be an uphill battle to make a bowl game because yeah. you're going to have to win, shoot, four of your, your, your final six games. How can yeah. you find a way to use that as motivation somehow? Because things – look, I understand the frustration of the fan base. That's what we're talking about the defense as much as we are. We're not sugarcoating it. We could just, you know, push the defense under the rug and just talk about some of the good things that happened from an offensive standpoint. We're not going to do that. Right? Yeah. You, you guys have eyes. You guys aren't stupid. So that's why I want to talk about the defense as much as I am. But these are real things, and these are things that the players are going to have to deal with, and they've been dealing with, but especially after tonight, they're going to hear more and more. And let's just call for what it is. It's the defensive coordinator, Clayton White, in particular. Yeah, 100%. You know, the motivation you're going to have to use is, yes, fans are going to be unhappy. They're going to say things in the media there's going to be reports from articles and there's going to be all the stuff in the national media, the SEC today, all of these things talking about Carolina football. You need the uh, Beamer. And I think Beamer is doing this already is he's continually establishing a culture that is making these players realize that you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for something much bigger. You're playing for the block C on your helmet. You're playing for the university of South Carolina. You're playing for the fans who come and support us. You're playing for your families, everybody. Some coaches in the past, especially like one that I've played for, I wouldn't say that that was the motto. And it was more play for yourself. And I don't think when you're having a team play for themselves or play when they're just playing for themselves, you're not going to find a team fight and be resilient. But you got to use this because when you're playing for something bigger, there's more, there should be more pride when you're out in the field. There should be more energy because you're not just playing for yourself. You're playing to make everyone happy and make everyone, you know, experience the moment of winning and we're not doing that right now and I, you know that's something i think motivational wise you can do is like hey you continually play for each other continually play for this university and these fans because the wins are going to come we just have to play better and we can't make individual mistakes those are going to hurt us those are going to hurt our university it's just what it is so you know that's one thing i think you could do is is just try and make it more about the bigger picture of who you're playing for but offensively, I would just keep saying keep playing the way you're playing on offense. There's really not much more. There's a couple, you know, every offense is going to have their mistakes in the game. It is what it is. The best offenses in the entire world are going to have mistakes in the game. But to put up 39 points is almost perfect in a game. It's, it's really, really good, especially against an SEC opponent. Defensively, though, hmm. these guys are going to have to play for more than themselves. You know, they're going to have to figure out. And maybe they also – it, 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 you know, Mike, I know we keep repeating it, and we've said it multiple times this year, but the defense is going to have to look in the mirror again and figure out what they can do because we have the players we have. Not, nothing's changing for the rest yep. of the season. So these guys are going to have to figure something out, or we're going to have to put them in a better situation. Otherwise, we might continually see performances like we saw tonight. Well, and that's the thing. I'm glad that you brought it up because the reality is this is where you are right now. This is who you are. These are the players that you have. Getting rid of Clayton White right now, and again, I'm just speaking to some of the fans that are upset, and I understand the frustration. That's not going to change the fact of a corner or safety not being able to finish the job in one-on-one coverages. You know, I mean, they're they're in there man-to-man coverage, and they keep getting burnt for whatever yeah. reason. They're taking bad angles. It's just little things over and over and over. And it's again, I'm not saying this to excuse. One individual, a coach, whatever the case that may be. But the reality is, at some point, players have to make some plays here. Now, obviously, if things continue to go at this rate, 
you know, at some point, there's a time and place to be able to make decisions moving forward. And if you feel like you need a new voice in certain spots, I totally understand that. I don't think they're at that point right now. I think what they need to do more than anything, and again, like you said, and it sounds cliche, they got to look in the mirror and just got to freaking get the job done. Because there's only so much. I don't care who the heck the defensive coordinator is. I don't care who your coaches are. If you can't go out there and it's freaking fourth and ten, you can't get a stop when everyone in the freaking stadium knows what's going to happen. It's a pass. It doesn't matter who your coaches yeah. are. So again, a lot of this, we keep mentioning it, it's correctable. They can fix this. Bad angles, yeah. finishing plays, right? We keep saying this over and over and over again. Yes, at some point, if those things don't change, yes, you're going to have to reevaluate some things. Yeah. But right now, it doesn't matter who the heck's coaching this defense. You have to, have to, as players, step up. Yes, they're thin. Yes, they're uh, young at some positions. But like you said, Mike, this is the, the hand that you were dealt. And some guys went down early on in the year, like Mokaba. Uh, you're trying to continue to get some production from the edge row. As you have two experienced guys back, coming back from injuries from a year ago. The reality is, though, this is where you're at. You have to find a way to be able to buckle down and correct these things. Because they are correctable. They are fixable. Yeah, 100%, Mike. I completely agree with you. You're right. You talked about setting the edge. You talked about taking bad angles. The amount of times, heck, even on that fourth down, where they threw it on fourth and 11 to the flat route, and we didn't get a stop. It was on the final drive. I think I think it was the final drive. Yeah, it was the final drive, but it was fourth and 11, and they threw it to the flat route to get the first down. And we, we I've noticed it multiple times throughout the game, and I'm sure the fan base noticed it, and I'm, I guarantee you probably noticed it. We fly at the ball. There was no breaking down and trying to square up the the, tack, or the 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 receiver, the running back, whoever it was. We just flew at the ball, and if they made one juke or one type of maneuver on us, it looked like we missed almost every one of those tackles. It happened over and over again tonight, and it was frustrating to watch. I couldn't understand why we weren't breaking down and everyone swarming to the ball. There were multiple times I guarantee we could have stopped a fourth down conversion or a, a, long, a third and long if we would have just – had people break down and make the tackle rather than just sprinting full speed at the ball carrier. It happened over and over again, and it was frustrating to watch. Another thing is you talk about utilizing the playmakers we have. We see Nick Herber on the first drive, I think it was, a 45-yard game. We don't see him again at all. And I understand, okay, maybe he doesn't know the playbook. Well, guess what? He doesn't have to know the playbook. Tell him, hey, these are the plays you have to learn. Five plays. We're putting you out here maybe for these five plays. Know your one position. And once you know that, we, you can go out there. You're running a vertical here. You're running a flat right here. Whatever it is, you don't have to learn the whole playbook. But we need him on the field. He is a playmaker. He's fast. We saw what he can do. And unless he's hurt, find a way to get him on the field. Another thing, too, and Alan brings it up, you know, it has been frustrating at times with special teams. I, I, the frustrating part to me about special teams tonight is, you know, yeah, Kai had a couple um, couple punts that, that weren't that great. He had some real good ones. Hunter Rogers made a phenomenal tackle. Um, that was a 54-yard punt. The long snapper goes down. Hunter makes the tackle. It's only a five-yard return. They did some good things on special teams tonight. But, however – when you have the, you know, the, the botch snap on the extra point, when yeah. you have two bad punts and you're in a, a situation where your defense not isn't helping you out and field position is massive, 
Yeah. These are the things that last year, these are the things that two years ago, that it was just automatic, that South Carolina's special teams was always going to show up, that even if they were going to have a bad game, even if the offense didn't show up, even if the defense was struggling, special teams was always going to be at yeah. least a B-plus or better. That hasn't been the case this year. And, again, we've talked about this before. When we talk about South Carolina's special teams units, we grade them on a scale, and that scale is based on the success that they've had over the last couple of years. When you're number one in the country last season in special teams efficiency, and you have the highest paid special teams coordinator of the country, and you have a very good one in Pete Lumbo, and you have a very good uh, special teams mind in Shane Beamer. But when you're not executing consistently in special teams, and I don't want to say it's it's been a liability. I don't, I don't want to say it's been that extreme. But when it hasn't been as automatic as it's been in years past, in a game like tonight, I mean, shoot, if one of those punts from Kai or both those punts are 40 yards at least, right? I mean, if you don't have the botch extra point snap, I mean, these are the little things that could have made the difference tonight in terms of South Carolina winning. And that doesn't excuse defense. I don't want to, like, like, okay, we're going to talk about special teams and that takes everything away from the defense. No, 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 no. Defense struggled tonight. There's no question about that, especially when they needed to get off the field the most. Yeah. But it's all right to also look at some other areas and be like, you know what, if we're grading South Carolina's special teams tonight, they did some good things, but they weren't as consistent as they needed to be. And some of those plays, it may have cost them in the end. You're completely right. I mean, if you're just looking at that final drive that Florida had, prior to the final drive, we had, I think we were on the 45-yard our 45-yard line. Kai shanks a punt, and they get the ball on the 25, 30-yard line. You know, that very easily, if he could have punt the way he normally punts, we're pinning them in the 10-yard line, within the 15-yard line, somewhere where they have to go 80, 90 yards. But instead, they only had to go, you know, 70 yards, which if you really look at the statistics of where you where an offense gets the ball on the field and the percentage likelihood of them being able to score, it gets much higher the further up you go up the field. When yep. you're within the 10-yard, within you're in the 15-yard line, if we could have pinned them back, their chances of being able to go down and score went down significantly. Yes, I factor in our defense wasn't playing well, but I'm just looking at numbers here. But because we weren't able to pin them back and our punting was subpar tonight compared to what we usually see with Kai, it gives them an opportunity to go and score. And we saw that, I think, on the two or three times. that I think it was two times where Kai shanked it, and they got the ball in good field position or at least better field position where they had a, a better chance of going out and scoring. And they did. And those are things we can't continually have, especially when we face good teams, because good teams are going to take advantage of our mistake, <clears throat> our mistakes. It's just going to happen. So you're right. Looking at it all together, we can talk about all three segments, offense, defense, special teams. Right now in special teams, we have to get better because shanking two punts is not going to help us win games, especially against teams who are playing well on offense. Looking at this comment as they cut the grass behind me at South Carolina, even though there won't be a home game here for another month. Um, (laughs) This comment, blame the coaches, not the players. Look, it certainly starts with the coaches, right? At this level, when you're getting paid the amount of money that you're getting paid to coach in the SEC, it starts with the coaches, no question. But it's okay to hold players accountable, especially when you're talking about players who signed up to play in the SEC. We're yeah. not sitting here, right? You know, we'll, we can call out some names. I mean, Nicky Minwari had some um, some issues tonight in coverage. I mean, yeah. DQ Smith, again, a guy that I've been extremely high on going 
last offseason. Um, you know, and it's not just those two guys, right? But I bring that up because it's okay to say, hey, you know what, players need to do a better job too. Because, again, while it starts with the coaches and at some point, yeah, you know, you might have to look at it and be like, all right, what do we need to do to change this moving forward? There's a time and place for that. They're not at that point right now. Players, when you go back and you watch the film, and that's the frustrating part, these guys are in position to make plays, and they're just not yeah. doing it. That's the frustrating part. Very. And, again, with what USC has been doing from a recruiting standpoint, they're looking to address a lot of those areas. And they've done a really good job when you're talking about offensive line and defensive line. It's great. But that doesn't mean year in and year out, it's just going to be, okay, hey, you know what? Torian Gray's come in here. The secondary has been automatic the last two years. Everything's going to be easy this year. No. There's a lot of question marks heading into this season about certain positions. And the depth at in the secondary and losing guys like Cam Smith, Darius Rush, we knew that was going to be an issue. And not just from a talent standpoint, but you're also losing a lot of experience there. Yeah. And this isn't, uh, you know, crap on Nick or DQ, but, you know, they're, they're only sophomores, right? They have experience because they played last year, but they're still sophomores. And it takes a lot more than just being able to get a couple games under your belt to be able to be the leader that you constantly need them to be. And certainly tonight, it wasn't just them. It was the entire defense as a whole. There were issues that the defenses were not able to capitalize on plays. They weren't able to get off the field when they needed it to uh, when they needed it to the most. No, and you're completely right. I, I'm at the stadium right now, and I see they're putting up stats across one of the screens. And it, we were not we had nine penalties compared to Florida's six, which you know not a huge difference with three, but for ninety almost I think it was ninety eight yards, ninety eight yards. That is the Florida's was six four like forty yards, which isn't that same. Nine for 98, that's the game changer. If you look at also, when you go back, you know, yes, our offense was our offense was playing very well and our defense wasn't playing well. But you look at also some of those turn or those penalties we had and the situations we got them in, it just hurts us because you know our defense isn't playing well. Some of them were pass interference calls. Um, some of them were jumping off sides. And we gotta we we've gotta get more discipline on offense and defense because those penalties Again, when we're playing tight games like we played tonight, a two-point game, a two-point game, those penalties can be the difference between a two-point game because there was, I think, one time we had third and one or very third and short, and we we um, and we false start. I think our left tackle false starts. Now we're back in third and six, and it makes it way more difficult. Or maybe it was a fourth down that happened. But regardless, when you do that kind of stuff, you put your team in a, in a worse situation than it was in, and it makes it harder when you're facing these tight games because now – it's harder to capitalize on on long on long downs. It, it's you give the offense if you're on defense, you give the other offense another opportunity to go down and score. There's just little things that we need to get better with. And yeah, Mike, you're right. <clears throat> DQ Smith and those guys, they're young. We all get that. But I think what Gamecock Nation is now hoping to see, we're not. We understand they're young, and we understand there's going to be imperfections in their game. But I think we're looking for more consistency. What we're not seeing is any consistency. We see one good game, a bad game. One good game, a bad game. And it's happening over and over again. And we're like, guys, just give us some consistency. We just need you to play well because, like you said, Mike, our players are in positions to make tackles or make plays, but they're not. And that's where the inconsistency is coming. These guys are young, but they've got to become somewhat consistent. We're not asking for a perfect game, but we're asking for a better game than what they're playing. Mike, I know obviously you played – 
offense and you've been in situations where things aren't going well from an offensive standpoint, you try to streamline, try to do everything you can to be able to make the adjustments that you can on the fly. Now, certainly South Carolina is coming off a bye week, okay? Yeah. I bring that up because from a defensive standpoint, there's been a lot of comments about this. A lot of comments have been made about South Carolina playing a 4-2-5. I bring that up, and the reason why I talk about from an offensive standpoint, right, trying to make adjustments during the season. Uh, look, across the league, and I'm not saying every team's running a 4-2-5. It's grown certainly more. Yeah. Not just in the SEC, but across college sports. It's even happening in the NFL just because of the personnel that you're, you're dealing with, right? I mean, there's a lot more teams that have that they either don't run tight end, uh, they don't they don't run a tight end, or they have a tight end that is basically like a hybrid, and you have yeah. to put an extra guy out there uh, to have that the, to match that speed. So I bring that up because, yes, the four two five, it's real easy to point at, be like that's not working for us this year. I don't know how much changing the scheme at this point is going to really help South Carolina because I think the issue is they don't necessarily have the bodies. And like you said, they certainly have a better job of setting the edge. That was something that they struggled with tonight. Um, but I also think in the back half of it, they need to do a better job of just being able to finish plays, right? I mean, whether it be taking a better cut when they're breaking on a football, you know, their eyes. I mean, things that you practice. And once you get into a game – it's supposed to be that much easier, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you would say to those people who, again, I understand the frustration. It's like the four two five is not working. Oh, it's not doing this. Like, I get, I get that. We're looking at the stats right now. Um, obviously, with what they were trying to do tonight, it felt like they were trying. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. In case you're just joining us, it, it felt like USC was really trying to buckle down on putting an extra guy down in the box to stop the run, mm-hmm. but. Because of that, what they did, they did more man-to-man, and they really struggled to win those one-on-ones across the board. So I'm looking at the stats right now, Mike. Uh, They allowed 423 yards passing. Rushing, they allowed 71. You know, with the rushing yards allowed, it felt like Florida had more at times. And the reason I said that, I say that is because it was when those runs happened, right? I mean, when they needed to be able to convert – uh, we've talked about this before with being able to get more tackles for a loss, which is something that South Carolina heading into tonight has really struggled with across the board this season. Um, but when you do stuff like that, what happens? Well, second down, third down, it becomes more manageable for teams. And that yeah. also played a role with Florida. So I just talk about the defense, though, Mike, because, again, I, I don't know if you have the personnel to be able to change it right now. And I'm not saying the 4 yeah. what this team – uh, needs to do or they shouldn't do because again I understand the frustration but what can you do at this point when you have been running a certain defense and for whatever reason your players aren't able to have the success that you would have hoped they would have yeah I mean okay so Mike 425 is not really a term we used in football but I'm assuming that means a nickel package yeah four four yeah, defensive okay. linemen two linebackers five defensive backs but yeah okay that's what I figured I wanted to make sure that's what nickel package was <laughs> but <laughs> You know, it's right now with our defense, right now, I think everyone needs to understand it's a pick-your-poison kind of thing. We're not – if we go with a, what they're going to call – what we call base package, what fans call, I guess, a 4-3-4 or, or whatever they call it, it's going to be an extra linebacker in there, and you're going to be able to stop the run more, and that's yep. the expectation. But 
now you expose your defense more because now you have a DB out there. And with that, with the talent level we're facing, maybe we do it for Kentucky, but the other teams we're facing, you're going to potentially get exposed because now you have your safeties playing coverage. And safeties typically aren't who you want playing man-to-man coverage. You want another cornerback out there on the slot receiver playing coverage. And, you know, it's a pick your poison as in, Right now, it seems like to be we get exposed whatever package we go with. So right now, man coverage doesn't seem to be the answer. We're going to have to figure out some zone packages, some zone bit blitz packages that can be beneficial to our defense. Another thing is, Mike, that I was thinking about during this game is we don't get turnovers. We're not really a turnover team this year. They haven't been. Mike, we, we talked about that up in the press box today. I mean, that is something that they have really struggled with. And it's yep. not just that. I know it's an extension of it. Um, when, we, when you talk about Beamer ball, Lumbo ball, tonight was their first night that they got a block kick. I mean, think about that. Think about last year. They have two block kicks, right? I mean, the first game. I mean, I bring these things up because there are certain things we talked about with special teams in the past with, with USC. You just assumed everything was going to be all right. At least a B plus. At least a B plus when you went back and graded how special teams did that night for USC. So the fact that, again, you're not playing at the level, certainly that you were playing at last year from a special team standpoint, but when you're not even playing to a point where you're one of the better special teams unit in the country, and that's not being able to create turnovers, and that's not being able to flip the field and create shorter, um, you know, situations in terms of how far you have to go starting in more plus territory when you're not getting that and you're not being able to create turnovers in general from a defensive standpoint that's just putting more strain on the on the offense and yeah. again and I've, I've seen some of the comments tonight it's like oh you know the offense isn't the issue like let's not talk about that well look the offense had issues early on shoot two weeks ago the offense had issues so it's okay to sit here and be like you know what man the offense did some good things tonight yeah, we all know that. This is a freaking post-game show, though. All right, yeah. we're going to talk about everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And trust me, there's plenty of bad and ugly to talk about, and we've talked about that tonight. So, and Chris brings up, and I'll pick on Chris a little bit because he's been passionate tonight. We appreciate, Chris, your comments. Chris says, that's crap. Coaches teach the players, you know, what are you talking about? A better coach corrects that. Well, this isn't, you know, you're not playing John Madden football on friggin' PlayStation. I mean, this is the middle of the season. You know, like, what are you going to do right now that's going to change schematically? I mean, you're not going to run a 3-4 or 4-3 or whatever the case may be if you don't have the players to do that. I'm not saying that, okay, hey, just go out there each week and just pray to God that things work. All right? I mean, I, I understand the frustration, especially when we're talking about this 4-2-5 stuff. But, again, at some point, there will be a point to address all of this when you're talking about that voice in the room. But I think more than anything right now with the South Carolina defense, it's about being able just to freaking execute. And I don't know what the hell they need to do differently this week in practice to be able to uh, put themselves in a better situation to do that. Because, again, Mike, I keep sitting here, and I'm not trying to disagree with what some of you guys are saying. Yes, it goes back to coaching. However, if if the coaches are putting them in a situation and they're just not getting the job done and you don't have the – experience you don't have the depth to be able to put other guys in there i feel like that's kind of where south carolina is at right now and i and i don't know what the quick fix is i really don't i mean that's what i'm trying to figure out more than anything what is the quick fix where does south carolina go right now because having that bye week when you did 
you have six more games to go now. You have issues on defense. You've had issues on the offensive side, and I'm not just going to assume with what we saw tonight, the offense, everything's, you know, uh, all sunshine and rainbows now. I'm not going to assume that because, again, as we talked about tonight, Mike, they had an opportunity for four left. They weren't able to put it away. When they needed to be able to get first downs, they didn't. Um, but defensively, I, I'm just trying to figure out what can they do differently right now. It's not as yeah. simple as just saying, hey, you know what, we're going to start playing a 4-3. Because if the guys, you don't have the personnel to be able to do that, how are you going to be able to match up? How are you going to be able to do some of those things? No, I agree with you. And, Mike, before I even talk about the defense, I want to talk about one play that on offense that I didn't quite understand. I just want to bring this up because I, yep. I might forget about it. It was, I think it was, it was definitely fourth quarter near the end. I think it was before the play that we punted it to give them Florida's final drive, I think. And we ran on second down a motion with Xavier Leggett and handed it off to him. I don't know if you remember that play, but we got zero yards on it. Yep. And it was second, it ended up being third and 10 the next play. I don't quite understand that call. I also noticed one thing on the field, which is I just want to point out, you know, coaches are going to call their calls and it is what it is. And sometimes it's going to be noticeable, the defenses. The defensive coordinators on Florida's side were jumping up and down to the to the nickelback that was on the strong side of the field facing our away side sideline to get to the other side because they saw the motion handoff about to happen. It was an obvious play call, and I think we needed to call a timeout and get out of that, seeing that the coaches knew what it was. I know you got to trust your players, but when another team – coaches and another team's defense notices what play you're about to run and they're anticipating it and putting themselves in the position to stop it, especially on a very, very crucial second down. Maybe we call a timeout considering we had three. That's one take I just wanted to bring up because I noticed it and it really bothered me. But to the defense point, Mike, there's really not much you can do. I mean, you're going to have to maybe try and switch up some packages. The another thing you could probably do is try and force turnovers. You know, if our defense is going to play the way they're going to play, why not just try and bring some blitz packages, some different things that you can do that are going to potentially force turnovers because we're already getting exposed, so why don't we try and give our offenses more opportunity to go and score and get us in a position to win because we're not getting the turnovers right now, but we're also still getting exposed in the back end, whether it's running the ball or four, giving up 420 yards passing. So I think what we need to do is start bringing some ways to know, know our defense isn't what it is, what it used to be, but find a way to get turnovers, find a way to force turnovers, put these QBs in a situation where they feel they need to force something because we're not doing that right now. And it's frustrating because our offense isn't getting an extra opportunity to go out there and score. It's almost like it's going to have to be a shootout every single game, which is frustrating. Mike, there's really not much of an answer except for maybe you try and find a way to force turnovers because if you switch packages, now's not the time really to start playing with different defenses and players because you might get even more exposed. And unless fans care, or don't care about that anymore. And I know a lot of fans feel like they're hopeless in this aspect that, well, we just need to try somebody else. Yeah, there's no guarantee at that point. And I don't think now's the time to start playing around with who may be the answer, but especially young guys. Young guys, have, most of the time, are not going to be the answers. You can try it, but it's probably going to playing with fire. I want to bring this up. Timmy, I don't know if you're still with us. Appreciate the comment. Timmy says, Scar, Mike is going to fuss at you for bringing up Harbor. He has defended that BS all year. I'm glad to see Harbor out there. But like I've said, it's a process. This isn't friggin' video. This isn't a video game. All right? And we've talked about this before. Because this is the only thing that drives me nuts now. There's some people that do this. It's so friggin' annoying. 
use a guy like Mario Anderson. Never mind the fact that Mario said, I don't know, maybe like week two. He's like, hey, I'm starting to figure out what like SEC ball is all about. Like I'm making the jump up from division two and, you know, there's certain things that I'm starting to pick up on. Like I'm almost there. Well, what happens as you continue to get more reps, you continue to get better, right? A baby comes out of the frigging womb. A baby's not just going to frigging just run. It's going to crawl. It's going to walk. It's going to take some time before it gets to that point. So I bring that up because with Nick Harbor, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. He's a five-star athlete. Doesn't mean he's a five-star wide receiver. He's making the transition from being a tight end and a DN in, call, in high school to now playing wide receiver. And on top of that, he missed time towards the end of preseason camp. So it put him behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah. And he's been able to continue to get better. We've been telling you guys that on these shows on GC Live throughout the week on Gamecock Central. And I think a lot of you guys understand that, but there's still a small portion that's kind of like, you know, what? why didn't they just put him out there right away? Some players are not going to be able to do that. Yes, there's going to be outliers, right? You can go across the country. You can find true freshmen playing across the board at different schools. No question about it. South Carolina has been able to do that defensively. They've been able to do that defensively this year with Jalen Kilgore. Yeah. But at the same time, too, there's going to be a process with some of these guys. So, yeah, uh, Timmy, I don't know what you're talking about defending the BS. I mean, what, what are you talking about? The fact that they've explained that there's a process with it, just like, again, like Mario, Mario Anderson himself, and I'm paraphrasing, but Mario said, like, look, there's a process that I'm going through and I'm learning. Like, that's coming right from the friggin' player's mouth. So I, I think being able to see Harbor out there tonight in the phenomenal play that he did, I mean, it wasn't just the fact that he caught the ball for 45 yards. What I liked about it, Mike, in particular, and you know this a hell of a lot better than me being a quarterback, what I liked about it is, especially as a young guy and a guy that's learning that position, I mean, he looked like an upperclassman with the way that he worked back towards the football. Yeah, and obviously fantastic. the size that he has, kind of like a basketball player using your body to box out, he was able to use his body to be able to box out the defender. And obviously when you're as tall as he is and as lengthy as he is, um, when you're able to put yourself in that position, all you got to do is freaking catch the ball. And that's what he did. So there's a lot of good things that we saw from Nick. I would love to see Nick Moore out there. And the reason I'm saying that now, it's like, oh, what's changed, Mike? Well, we're in week six of the season. You know, like we've yeah. played through six games already. You had an extra week to be able to clean some things up during the bye week. That's why we're seeing more of these players like Mario Anderson continue to get more opportunities. You know, it, yeah. it takes some time. And I understand that to some people, that's not going to be that's not going to be enough for them. Hearing that answer is not going to be enough for them. No, and to your point, Mike, you're talking about Nick Harbour not being ready. Yeah, you're 100% right. He's most likely, he doesn't know the playbook. He might be a liability out there. And while I did earlier say in this podcast, saying that we need to just create some packages for him to get out in the field, you know, maybe – playing devil's advocate, maybe in the coach's mind, they're thinking that they don't want to do that because now defenses will know a trigger. Every time that he's on the field, there's only one of four plays that can be run. And so there's strategy behind it. As much as we would love to see him on the field, it's it's a possibility right now with his lack of preparation or lack of knowledge of our offense that the coaches are thinking redshirt. And as much as a lot of these fans probably don't want to know that or hear that, it's a possibility. I mean, he's played now what in how many games, Mike? Two, three? What's that? How many games Nick Harbour has played in already? Considering well, Nick, the Nick's, play, Nick's, Nick's played, I think, in five of the six, I believe. Okay, if so not, then Redshirt's red gone. 
Yeah, if not all six because of special teams. But, you know, and just to cut you off real quick is, you know, and Timmy, I appreciate you uh, weighing in, you know, so you don't think you could put one end around for the track star. Timmy, I'm not disagreeing with you. But, you know, Mike would know a hell of a lot more than me when, he, when you're talking about just from an offensive standpoint. Sometimes there's more that goes into it than that. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Mike. You would know better than me. No, you're right. 100% more. Like I said, playing the devil's advocate for what I previously said, realistically, the coaches are probably thinking he's not ready and he's a liability if we go out there. And they don't also want, in, you know, as much as a great player as he is, they probably don't want to have to only dial up three or four packages for him. So when he comes on the field, defenses know exactly what they're running, what our offense is going to run, because now they can prepare for that and they can game plan exactly against that. And so it may not be as effective going forward if that's all we can do with him. So to that point, because I want to see him out there. Like, let me make it clear. I want yeah. to see him out there. And if some people are like, oh, wh wh why is Yuba changing his tune? I'm not changing my tune. The reality is, is he came in here. We talked about it. Making the move from DN slash tight end over to wide receiver. Got banged up towards the end of preseason camp. Missed some time. Was behind the eight ball with that. Trying to get caught up to the playbook. He's been able to have some more time to get acclimated with these things. And to Timmy's point, and Timmy, I don't disagree with you. You know, if there's some things that he can pick up on, you can kind of condense the playbook. Yeah, absolutely. But again, and Mike, you know, tell me if what you think about it. If Mike, you do that, Mike, for, I'm going to cut you off real quick. Because you probably know I'm where watching, I'm going with. Yeah, but to your point real quick, I'll let you get back to it. I'm watching Beamer right now walk off the field with his wife. And man, he just looks disgusted. He's looking up. He's looking down at the ground. You can just tell this was this was probably gut wrenching. Yeah, I'm gonna get he out of the way. The it's tough to real. It's tough to really see. Shane's in the far end zone. I'll see if I can uh, zoom in on it a little bit. Um, in this end zone right there, next to the goalpost. But uh, he's talking to a gentleman in a blue uh, pullover. But yes, with his wife Emily, and yeah, I mean, look. He's, he's no dummy. He realizes, like, look, <laughs> needing to get a win today was massive for multiple reasons. It was. You have an opportunity to be able to get back to 500 and talk about bowl games and this and that. Bottom line is it didn't happen. Um, and, Timmy, I appreciate your weighing in, you know. Again, we're not going to always agree with everything. Uh, not just you, Tim, just someone in general. But I appreciate you putting that out there because you're not the only one that feels that way. But I do feel like uh, – and, and this goes back to actually a comment that Kendall made here it is Kendall um and we'll wrap things up um we'll wrap things up tonight in just a little bit but Kendall says you know we will have the same issues next season if the guys on the sideline don't get playing time we are six games into the year are you playing for this year are you getting ready for next I, the way that I look at it right now Mike six games in it's easy to be like all right it's two and four now like let's just blow up this season I get that part okay Put that to the side for a minute. South Carolina has been playing a lot of underclassmen so far this season. And that wasn't just tonight. Certainly we can say Mario Anderson. Mario obviously isn't an underclassman, but I'm talking about either uh, new faces or um, freshmen straight up or sophomores, whatever the case may be. We've seen more and more younger players play. I mean, just look at the offensive line. You have two true freshmen on the offensive line starting. Yeah. You had to replace 60% of your starting snaps from the offensive line from a year ago. Defensively, we looked at it before, but because of the injury to Mo Cava, Stone Blanton's having to play a little bit more. They're having to play very young in the secondary just because there's not a lot of experience there. They are very young. And that doesn't mean that they're just going to say, all right, we're not going to play this person. We're not going to. Because as you mentioned, I think at, uh, I don't know who it was, 
Who was it? It may have been uh, Kendall in a different comment. But, yeah, you're at that point now where, from an eligibility standpoint, some of these guys, you don't have a choice. They have to play. And if you don't play them, they've already used their four games up. They're just going to be collecting dust on the sideline. So, yeah. yes, at some point, you have to start asking yourself, what's in the best interest of not just for these student athletes, but what's in the best interest of the program moving forward, not just this year, but for the next couple of years. And those conversations are constantly happening happening each week. But certainly when you're at two and four right now, and depending on how things play out over the next couple of weeks, that could change a lot of things. Because if you're in a situation where you know you're not going to go to a bowl game, and right now that's not the case. I know, again, I know that they have an uphill battle to go if they want to become bowl eligible. And I know some people are going to roll their eyes when I say that or be like, oh, I don't want to go to the Birmingham Bowl. I get all that stuff. But just strictly talking about whether you're playing in a bowl game or you're not playing in a bowl game. At some point, South Carolina's coaching staff is going to say, hey, Johnny has played in, you know, four games or Johnny's only played in three. Is it worth playing him? You know, is it worth burning that year of eligibility? So these are the questions I feel like they'll start to make more sense over the next couple of weeks just because you're two and four. Like Bill Parcells would say, you are what your record says you are. I mean, you can't deny it. And in South Carolina, they lose another game or two because you don't have that wiggle room. It's going to get uglier. And I feel like you're going to have to continue to plan more for the future. Yeah. Mike, I completely agree with you. You're going to have to plan for the future. But right now, you're right. We're not out of the bowl eligibility yet. And so we're going to have to play the games we have to play. You can't look forward to next season right now because – for recruiting purposes, for any NIL purposes, we gotta win games. If we don't go to a bowl game this year, it's gonna be it's gonna be much more of a loss than the loss that would come from not playing the players that we're gonna play next year. So we're gonna have to win these games out and find a way. One thing I think we're gonna need to get better at, I, you discussed it. We I think we discussed it on this podcast already. The fans notice is we can't tackle. How many times did we see that we had them on a stop on a third down, a fourth down, but yet we couldn't make the tackle? There's too many times and is it personnel? Is it what a lack of toughness? I don't. I can't. I don't have an answer right now for us why we can't tackle, but we've got to figure out a way throughout this next this next week of practice and going forward in these SEC plays where we're able to tackle the ball because we're going to face good running backs. We're going to face good ball carriers against most of these teams, and if we're not able to stop the ball to to make the tackles that are necessary, especially in critical downs, then we're going to continually give up critical third downs big play after big play and give these opportunities to these teams to go and score and put points on the board, which is going to put more pressure on our offense to have to play the way they played tonight. So, you know, all in all, we have got to get better at pass coverage and we have to get better at tackling. But before you bring anything up, I don't think that means we play our young guys. I think that means we have to find a way to make the guys we have now. There's a reason, everyone. I've been in these practices I know the difference between a starter and a backup. Usually it's pretty significant. Not always, but usually it's pretty significant. And so what we have is what we're going to have. And the fans have reiterated that. We've reiterated that this entire season. We can't just go out there and put somebody who has continually not performed at the, at the standard we're expecting as a Gamecock Carolina player to go on the field and hope that they're going to play at a higher level than the players that are out there right now. We can't do that. We have to find a way to put the players we have now in a position and they're going to have to also look in the mirror and be like, hey, I've got to improve because I'm not tackling properly. I'm not covering the way I need to. I'm getting out of position. I'm not setting the edge. So we're going to have to find a way to do this. Go 
I lose your mic. No, I was trying to wait. Got all this guy keeps circling you. This guy keeps well, circling I mean, you. Can... Oh, yeah. <laughs> again, again, uh, big, big football game coming up at yeah. Williams Bryce Stadium in a month. So, uh, got to get the grass ready like it's freaking Augusta. Um, yeah. All right. Before we have our final thoughts, hit two ad reads, then we'll wrap things up. Appreciate everyone that is tuned in tonight. Obviously, these shows aren't fun when you're talking about a team uh, that is losing, especially when they're two and four. Uh, and especially with what we saw tonight. I mean, South Carolina had their opportunities to win this game, and they weren't able to put it away. And this Florida team, they just kept battling, battling, battling. They were able to overcome a 10-point deficit in the final couple minutes of this game. And I think that's the frustrating part is that USC, they had their chances to be able to win this game. Um, looking at it right now, I mean, you go up 37-27 with nine minutes left. Florida scores a touchdown after going on a four-and-a-half-minute drive with just under five minutes left to make it a three-point game. And then, obviously, we know what happened on that last drive. I'm not talking about the safety drive uh, by the Gators, but the one where they converted was, what, fourth and 10, fourth and 11, which yeah. led them to, uh, to victory. So, having said that, quick ad reads, and then we'll wrap things up on the other side. Uh, tax season, obviously, we are a couple months away from that, but it's never too early to start planning for that. Reach out to our friends over at Liberty Tax. They can be able to help make that process much easier for you so you can overcome taxiety this year. Give them a call at 803-462-5576 and let them know Gamecock Central sent you. And obviously, as we know with every GC Live show, this program is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond over at Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of trying to buy a home, or maybe if you're looking for a home and you're trying to figure out what the best rates are, you know, right now, buying a home can be a little bit tricky. Uh, Clinton, the amazing team that they have over at the Movement Mortgage, they can make that process easier for you, the same way they did for former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth, as well as our very own Wes Mitchell. Give Clint a call over at 803-771-6933. All right, Mike, we have some extra comments here. And again, appreciate people sending in comments. Um Let's see. R.L. Smith says, what is the likelihood of a players-only meeting this coming week? Mike, we hear a lot of these players-only meetings, and we'll get into your final thoughts. Yeah. I feel like stuff like that, it gets blown out of proportion a little bit because I feel like throughout the course of the season, in some shape, way, or form, there will be some type of players meeting. I feel like that's always the case with every team. Yeah. Um, what would you say to that, and what would you say in, in terms of what South Carolina needs to do in order to be able to get back on track, knowing that you have six games, and these obviously these next two games are going to be tough because you got to go to the furthest places away from Columbia, South Carolina, in terms of conference play. You got to go yeah. to Columbia, Missouri, then you come back to USC. The next week after that, you got to go to Texas A&M. Back to back week, so yeah, you get the four home games to close out the year. That's great, but. I mean, shoot, if you want to be able to get some type of home field advantage, you need to find a way to get a win badly starting next week against Missouri. 100%. So to this question about a players-only meeting, you know, it's very likely that's going to happen. I think it's a little too late. When we look back at those 11-win teams we had under the Spurrier area, I wasn't a part of those. I came on Dylan Thompson's final year of us when we went 6-7, and seven, I think. But – those other teams, everyone I talked to, I was like, what was the difference with those teams? What made them so much like so much better, so elite, such a cohesive unit? 
And the same answer from several people I got was there was player accountability, but it started in the off season. It started in January when we were doing winter workouts. And then it started in summer ball when we were doing summer workouts and player personnel meetings and all of these different things. It started then players were getting into those faces. They were holding each other accountable. You were afraid to make a mistake on the field because of the accountability that was going to happen in the locker room or in the meetings with other players. You weren't worried about what coaches said. You were more worried about what the players were going to say. So why I say that because that needed to happen in the springtime, and I can't say if it did or not, but that's those the best teams we had in our, in our history of Carolina, at least from the modern era, are teams that had high player accountability. I can't, I can't speak as to whether we have that now on this team or not, but I can say that it's a little too late to have a player meeting. But I, can't, I can say that a player meeting right now won't hurt because we're going to have to have some more player accountability. Whether that's starting now, and it may be a little too late, it's going to have to happen. These players are going to have to know that. Listen, man, we're relying on you, but you're not playing the way we need you to. you got to step it up because we, to win these games, we need every player to play at the level that they're, they came here to play at and that these coaches expect them to play at and these fans expect them to play at. So a player meeting can't hurt. I say they go for it, but it needed to happen in the spring, assuming it didn't happen. Mike, just final thoughts. And I know it could be a piggyback of what you just talked about, but just your final thoughts on yeah, on, on, on tonight. Yeah, so final thoughts are our offense. If our offense plays this way, excluding our defense, our offense plays this way as one of the best offenses in the SEC and scores these kind of points, we should win every single game that we play going forward unquestionably. But we all know. One, we have to get better with the penalties. I'm going to say that. Our special teams, is Kai has got to perform better. He's got to get back to the standard that we know. We need to get back to the old Kai that we all know from last year, making, pinning teams back, making 50-yard punts look easy. And it, we got to get better there. And just flip the, It's going to help overall our team. But the topic of this podcast, <laughs> the defense. The defense has just got to get better, man. There's got to be player accountability. There's got to be a, a meeting. There's got to be people who look in the mirror and figure out what they can do. And there's got to be some type of adjustment, understanding that the players we have on the field are who we have. So we've got to put them in a position, which sometimes they are put in a position and they just fail to make the play. So we've got to get better at tackling, setting the edge. We've got to find a way, because right now it doesn't seem like man coverage is the answer. So we have to find a coverage that will work. And we also have to find a way to force turnovers. If we're not going to play great defense, we have to force turnovers. So overall, we have a lot to improve on on defense. Our offense, I'm not so worried about. Spencer's playing out of his mind as he has pretty much this entire season. Our receivers are playing well. Uh, Xavier continues to play well. We're getting Trey Knox more involved. Mario Anderson seems to be clicking. Our run offense seems to be finding a way to create holes for him. So very positive things going on on the offensive side. But our defense, as Gamecock Nation knows, from the season and from this game has got to improve. If we want to make a bowl game, we have got to figure out a way to play defense. Yeah, and I'm looking right now. South Carolina gave up two sacks tonight, six tackles for a loss allowed. I bring that up because there was some shuffling around with the offensive line in comparison to what it was originally going to look like before Vershawn Lee went down and – um, we, we mentioned it at the beginning of the game, but just for a reminder for those of you who may have missed it or you just, I don't know, you don't pay attention necessarily in terms of who the starters are on the offensive line. To start the game, left tackle, you had a Lewitosin Bubalata, the true freshman. Left guard, Trey Jones. Center, Nick Gargiulo moved over from guard to center. 
Uh, right guard was uh, the other true freshman, Trevon Baugh. And then at right tackle to start was Vershawn Lee. And as the game went on, Vershawn got banged up. There were some adjustments on the offensive line. And I'm not saying that it looked night and day different after that, but I bring that up because I did like what USC was able to do from an offensive standpoint. I think we can all agree with that. And now you, now it's you look at it and you're kind of banking on the fact of like, hey, that, that needs to happen again next week, right? That needs to happen against a and Like that needs to happen every single week. And you feel like you need that now more than ever simply because of the fact that you don't know what you're going to get from this defense. So, again, I understand the frustration. We could talk about um, schemes. We could talk about four two fives. We could talk about the coordinator. We can do this and that. Hypothetically speaking, you move on from Clayton White right now. At the end of the day, you have the players that you have right now. And you have to find a way to be able to win those one-on-one matchups. They're really struggling in man-to-man. They're really struggling uh, being able to finish plays. Just, I, I feel like and it's tough from where I am. I mean, even going back and watching the tight, the tight view of it all, it's tough sometimes. But it just looks like USC's defensive backs, and even some of their linebackers when they're in pass coverage, their eyes aren't where they need to be. Like yeah. eye, like these little things, little things. Uh, one more thing I want to add because God Loves Comics made a comment here, and I don't know if this was exactly what you were talking about, but it just made me think about it. Uh, finally getting some perimeter blocking, which uh, is what freed Juju to run wide for the first time all season. Uh, again, the defense, they struggled tonight. They were bad. All right, we're not sugarcoating that. But I do want to point out some type of good and, uh, and that's Juju McDowell. It was good to be able to see him getting into the end zone, not once, but twice, finding yeah. ways to be able to use him. Because, look, as talented as Mario Anderson is, you're going to have to find a way to be able to give him some breathers, right? I mean, to carry on, Joyner was out there a little bit. Um, yeah. Juju was getting involved a little bit. I think that's what you have to be able to find ways to be able to do. All right, Mike, appreciate it. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Um, we got here for a comment. I saw one comment saying you had to be terrified of swearing. Yeah, calling the Elliot defense. Oh, I'll, I'll pull that one up. Someone says calling the defense bag is sugarcoating it. Yeah, they were terrible. <laughs> they were terrible, John. They were awful. It was awful. It was really bad. Okay. And it wasn't even just the fact of them playing bad. It was more so situational defense. Like we talked about it before. Third downs. Florida converted three of four fourth down conversions. I mean, and a lot of just, them, a lot of them, Mike, were in the fourth quarter on critical drives. All right, one more comment. Try to change the mood here a little bit, Mike and Mike. Are you guys going to be able to enjoy the fear while it's all going on? That's the last place on friggin' earth that I want to go right now. A bunch of pissed off Gamecock fans walking around the fair, trying to have a stale corn dog. No, 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 no. I'm staying Mike, the heck away from I that. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I was told. I don't know if I was told this in confidence or not, but I was told this is the last year they're doing the ele- the elephant ear guys there. I've never had an elephant ear in my entire eight years of being in Claire, uh, Carolina and Columbia. What fried fried dough? That's what they call oh, it. You guys call it elephant. They, ears. they call it elephant ears, man. I, I never had one. Uh, it might be the grab, last year to go get one. Well, go <laughs> grab yourself one. Um, and for Gamecock fans, uh, tonight's not one of those nights where you need a mix in a water. Well. You might have to because you're probably going to be doing more than just drinking water tonight. But <laughs> it was a rough one. South Carolina falls now to two and four on the year. They'll be back in action next week when they travel to Columbia, Missouri next weekend. Gamecock Central will be out there. 
Uh, it's my first time going. Hopefully we will see a, a Gamecock win because they need it desperately, desperately after losing tonight. Uh, he's Michael Skarnecchia. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys that tuned in tonight again doing these shows when they lose. It's not fun, especially when you're on a little losing skid. Uh, but if you want to watch this show and listen to it in its entirety, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where it is free. Subscribe for free today. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Again, he's Michael Skarnecchia. I'm Mike You Appreciate you guys tuning in for the GC Live postgame show. Be safe tonight. Enjoy your Sunday. And we will see you guys on Tuesday night for GC Live Talking Tuesdays. <laughs>